I hope you've been encouraged by our time of worship, and uh, it's, I always love our time of worship. It gets us ready uh, for the time of worshiping through the preaching of God's Word, and, uh, and I hope you're, you're excited and ready for that this morning. If you have your Bibles, open to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11, and we are going to continue our series on a life of faith. We've been studying this chapter, starting in verse number 1. And uh, we've been talking about what a life of faith is, how it's defined, and then how it's described, how we can, how we can see what a life of faith looks like and, and really how to live that life of faith. And so uh, we've, been, uh, we've been studying that throughout uh, this chapter, and we want to continue this study, and we'll be studying verses 11 down to verse 16 this morning, Hebrews chapter 11. Now, right before I jump into that, if uh, if you've not received the notes this morning and you and you need the notes, if you want to just raise your hand, and Brother Juan's got the notes, and he'll come by and uh, just be patient with them, and uh, and he'll get them to you as quickly as possible. Uh, but just be sure to flag them down or raise your hand as you see him go by, and uh, and that way together we can uh, we can study and uh, write down whatever the Holy Spirit brings to your mind and to your heart, and uh, and that way we grow uh, we grow together as we study God's Word. Hebrews chapter number 11. We'll start in verse number 11, reading down to verse number 16. It says this, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country." And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. So far in the study, we've been talking about the people of faith that are described here. And we we went into... A few weeks ago, the life of Abraham and how Abraham exercised faith in an impossible calling, how God called him out of his country where he had uh, been raised and where he had been married and where he had lived all of his life. God called him out of that to go to a, a land that he didn't know. God didn't tell him where that land was going to be. Finally, he just simply said, I want you to get out of your land, the land of Ur. And uh, Abraham had to exercise faith. And we we learned that uh, obedience um, is a byproduct of belief. When we really believe what God has said, we will obey. And then we also said that patience is a byproduct of trust. And we see that Abraham had both belief and trust. Trust produces patience so we can wait on God. Belief produces obedience so we can do what God has told us to do through his word. So we learn that in an impossible calling, our faith, when God asks us to do something that we feel is just impossible to do, something difficult to do, 
then there at that moment, it requires us to really believe what God has said and to be patient and trust that God will do what he's called us to do. Now, when you get to verse number 11 down to verse number 16, there's another aspect of faith that Abraham and Sarah and even his children, Isaac and Jacob and his grandson, Jacob, exercised that we need to have in our life as well. And that is a continuing faith. You see, the faith of a Christian is a faith that continues in spite of difficulties and differences. Our faith is something that ought to remain, though life is ever-changing and the situations of life are ever-changing. Our faith ought to remain the same. There are many that call themselves Christians today that the moment something difficult happens, their faith leaves them. And the Bible says this in, in the book of Proverbs, it says if, if, if your strength is weak in the day of trial, then, or if your faith fails in the day of trial, then your faith is weak. The, the, the way that we prove we have strong faith is that in the midst of difficulties and, and the trials of life, if our, our faith remains with us, then that's proof that our faith is, 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 is stronger. Uh, we're, we're coming up to, I guess we're a little bit past, right? Three years now where COVID came and it challenged our faith. It challenged what we were going to trust and who we were going to, we were going to trust. And, and our world changed completely. And, and we weren't able to come and, and into God's house as we are this morning and just be able to fellowship and, and be able to worship together as, as we had done before. And that changed. And suddenly, I found that as the years came by of 2021, 2022, slowly we've, we've been really seeing how strong our faith really was all along. Faith, real faith, a life of faith continues in spite of difficulties and trials of life. Kind of reminds me of um, this picture. I don't know how many of you would remember, but the child of the 80s and 90s would remember this picture maybe more than today's uh, teenager. But uh, th this, this bunny is the Energizer bunny. And if, if you remember in, the, in 1988 is when the campaign started. Uh, with this Energizer bunny. And in the commercial, he's, uh, he's going against the Duracell uh, bunny. And these two toys are playing, banging on the drums. And like halfway through the commercial, the Duracell battery bunny stops working. And uh, the Energizer bunny just continues to work. And the whole point of the campaign uh, was that the battery that is the Energizer battery is so much better than the Duracell battery. And, um, and throughout the 90s, they would build on this campaign. And uh, after a while, the Energizer Bunny was fighting against King Kong and Darth Vader and uh, even, I think, James Bond and, and all these people. And, and at the end of the commercial, the whole point of this campaign, uh, they, they would say of the Energizer battery that it keeps, what was it? Anybody remember? It keeps going and going and going and going. That was the big tagline of the Energizer Bunny. It just keeps going and going. And did you know that if you're going to live a life that honors God, it's going to require faith. And genuine faith keeps going and going and going in the, mid, in the midst of an ever-changing world. 
If there's something that we need today as Christians, it's to live lives where our faith continues, where our faith remains strong in the midst of trials and in the midst of sufferings. When the author of Hebrews wrote this, the people he was writing to were going through difficulties and suffering. As the book says, Hebrews, it was written to Jewish people. Even to this day, if a Jewish person becomes a Christian, many times if their parents are not Christians or they don't believe Christ was the Messiah and is the Messiah, they will disown them. I've read stories of Jewish uh, believers that when they put their faith in Jesus Christ, that their parents sent them a little coffin and said, you're dead to us in this family. Many of the Christians that were believing in Christ, these Jewish Christians that the author is writing to, had experienced that very same thing. Many of them had been expelled from their families. Others had been expelled from their cities and their communities. In fact, the, the Jewish community is a very tight community. Uh, you'll, you'll find, if you, if you have any friends that are Jewish, you'll find that uh, they, they do a really good job of looking out for one another and and, and, and they try to do their best to, to live in somewhat of the same community and, and uh, give jobs to one another and, and really look out for one another. They do that. But in these communities, when people would go to Christ, they're getting kicked out of those communities. So can you just imagine this? People that you had grown up with and you'd gone to the synagogue every Saturday are now disowning you. They're talking bad about you. They're saying how, you know what, you're really not that great of a person anyway. You're kind of dishonest. And they start maligning your character. And then not only that, anytime you're walking into the store and you're wanting to buy something or have some sort of business, they're kind of rejecting you. I'd say life is getting really difficult when that starts happening. And so the author here is telling them, listen, when that happens, remember those of our past. Re remember people like Abraham and Sarah, our ancestors, and the faith that they had. It was a faith that continued in the midst of impossible conditions. Our faith ought to remain, our, our faith ought to move forward in the midst of impossibilities. But how does that happen? How is it that our faith continues to go on and on when things change? When suffering comes or when difficulties come or when trials come? How is it that faith continues? Well, I want to give you two truths of that that we find here in verse 11 down to verse number 16. Notice, first of all, in your notes, the way that our faith continues and goes on and on in the midst of trials and impossibilities is because faith receives power in spite of weaknesses. Faith receives power in spite of weakness. Notice in verse number 11 that the author writes about Sarah. And he says that Sarah received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Sarah was 90 years old having a baby. This was a impossible thing to happen. It was a miraculous thing that would happen for her to have a baby. And, and we find that she received strength of her faith to do the impossible, 
to have a baby at 90 years of age. Now, in spite of being 90 years of age, receiving that strength was really the bigger miracle. How does someone at 90 even have the strength to deliver? Let's just say you could get pregnant at 90. How in the world are you going to have the strength to deliver a baby? There's a reason that uh, we, we, uh, we usually have children when we're at the younger side of life, right? In our 20s and 30s. Someone has one in, in their 40s. You say, man, you, you, that was, you had a baby late in life. But 90s, that, 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 that's impossible. We don't, we don't even talk about that. We'd say that'd be just so hard to do. And yet we, we, we look back at Sarah's life and she was able to do that. We see that her faith receives strength. How? I want to break that down for you really quick. How, how was she able to receive strength on that? How, how was she strengthened through this experience? Well, number one, she was strengthened because she considered God faithful. She considered God faithful. The, the word consider here is the Greek word hegeomai, and it means to count or to esteem. Right? It means to, to esteem, to, to, to really count on something that was, that was given or that was said or done. Okay? When it says considered, she considered, she was counting on or receiving what God had said. Now, there's something key here that I, I want to try to explain. I hope I don't bore you here. But um, if, you're, if you're not like a fan of grammar, and I was never a fan of grammar growing up, um, then this might get a little bit boring, but I'm going to try to keep it fun, okay? Um, the, the word considered is in the middle voice in the Greek, right? Now, grammar has voices. There's the active and the passive in English, right? But there's also a middle voice in the Greek language. And the word considered here is in the middle voice. Now, let me explain a little bit what the difference is. All right. A lot of verbs in the New Testament in Greek are in the middle voice. There are some that are in the active voice and some in the passive voice, but the majority are in the middle voice. Now, what is the difference? So what is the active voice, passive voice, and middle voice? Let me give you real quick. Active voice is when the subject causes the action. All right. So anytime you are writing a sentence in Greek, that the subject is causing the action, you would write the verb in the active voice. For instance, you might write the word or the, the sentence, I move the car. So the car is being moved by me. So I'm the subject of the sentence. So it's in the active. As the subject of the sentence, I'm actively doing something. I move the car. Now, the passive voice is when the action is doing something to me. Right? So I, you might say the car was moved. All right, now I'm receiving something. The car was done for me. Active is I'm doing that, right? I move the car, that's the active voice. The car was moved, I'm receiving part of that action. It was, it's a favor for me, it's done something for me. The middle voice though, the middle voice is when I'm both receiving and causing. So if we continue with the illustration of the car, you would write, I moved myself the car. I am, or, or, or just saying, I moved, right? I'm doing the action, but I'm also receiving from that action. I moved, I actually took the step, but then I'm also receiving the, 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 uh, the, the action of not being in the same place anymore, right? That's the middle voice. It's 
causing the action and receiving something from that action. Now, this is key because that's what Sarah is doing. Her faith was being strengthened by considering God. She is actively believing God, but also receiving from God. Our our faith continues and our faith remains strong in trials when we're actively making our faith and believing what God has said and receiving from God the strength to continue. We find that Sarah here, it says in verse 11, her faith, she received strength to conceive and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful. She considered him faithful who had promised. It's important for us to understand this morning. If our faith is going to be strengthened, there's part that is our part to do. And then there's a part that's God's part to do. Our part is to act upon what God has told us to do. God's part is to strengthen us to do what we think we cannot do. It might be something as simple as this. It might be that God is telling you, you know, you know, Joe at work doesn't go to church. Joe at work doesn't even read a Bible. He doesn't know what I did for him. It might be God telling you, I want you to talk to Joe about the salvation that I offer him. And you might think, but I can't do that. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I mean, how am I going to do that? Yeah, yeah, I I did put my faith in Jesus and I I, I do know him as my savior, but I, I don't know if I can do that. That almost sounds like something impossible for me to do. If we act upon what God has told us to do, and share our faith. God gives us the strength, the wisdom, and the power to be able to make sense to our friend Joe at work. That's what Sarah did. She didn't say, God, what are you talking about? I'm 90. This ain't going to happen. Abraham, listen, I love you. It ain't going to happen. You're 10 years older than me. You're going to be 100. I mean, this is, this is insane. They didn't sit here and rationalize why not to do what God has called them to do. They did the opposite. And because they did the opposite, their their faith was strengthened. You and I will find in our life that our faith gets strengthened when we exercise faith in God. When we act upon what God has done, then God will act and give us the strength that our faith needs. See, we face a lot of impossible situations in life. Sometimes it's impossibilities in giving. Sometimes it's an impossibility of forgiving someone that has hurt us. Sometimes it's an impossibility to get involved. Be a leader or serve in some area in church. I I can't do that. God says, if you would just, if you would just act, then I could act as well. I can strengthen your faith. I, I can give you the power that you need and the wisdom that you need if you act. You see, she considered him. She counted on what he said, on what God said. She said, God is faithful 
And if he's told me to do it, I'll act upon it. He'll strengthen me. She received power in spite of weakness. By considering him. Notice also by waiting on him. By waiting. You see, God had promised them a child, not a year before, two years before, three years before. Do you know that 25 years had passed since God had told them that you're going to have a child? Sarah was 65 when that promise was made. Abraham was 75. Now that's already late in life as it is, but you would think, okay, if God's going to do it, he must, you know, within the next two or three years, I'm sure. And yet nothing. 25 years they had to wait. In fact, by year number 24, the pre-incarnate Christ goes and visits them. You can read the story in Genesis uh, 18. The pre-incarnate Christ goes and visits them. And I put it in your notes there because when, when she hears, when she hears the promise that you're going to have a child, her first reaction is laughing. <laughs> That's impossible. That's ridiculous. You know, sometimes God lays something in our hearts and the first thing we want to do is laugh as well. <laughs> like, there's no way. I can't do that. I can't go there. And for some people, that causes their faith to stop going. Before you know it, they're coming to church, but nothing's happening in their life. It's just something that you kind of do on a Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And they kind of feel like they figured out the Christian life. And it's like, yeah, the Christian life, it's reading your Bible and it's praying and, you know, going to services. And they think that that's the Christian life. I say the Christian life's way more than that. Those are disciplines that we have in our Christian life that we ought to have. But the Christian life is so much more exciting than that. The, the, the Christian life is seeing the impossible happen over and over in life. Like, like seeing people change. Going to people that, that have cursed God and seeing them one day now blessing God. That's the Christian life. It's, it's people that are, are changing in their love for others. People that, that have been done wrong by others in their life. Forgiving them. And helping them. And doing as Jesus taught, loving their enemies. And helping them in spite of being used by them and persecuted by them. The Christian life is, is full of seeing the impossible happen. But it requires faith. And if you're not seeing something happen in your life as you walk this, this Christian path. Then the only thing is it's because your faith is not being strengthened. You're not acting upon what God has said. It's because you're not, you're not seeing God work as a result of just laughing at what God is saying instead of doing what God is saying. Instead of trusting that what God has said is true. 
25 years. At year 24, I'm sure it seemed very laughable. But somewhere between year 24 and 25, Sarah changed in her attitude. And she, she embraced it. She, she counted on it. She esteemed that God is faithful. And if he says it, he will do it. God is that man that he should lie. And she received the strength that she needed. And trusting, she waited. In spite of weaknesses, she was strengthened. Real faith does that. Let me give you a second truth of how our faith continues in the midst of suffering and trials. Not only because it receives strength and weakness, but it receives the invisible in spite of the visible. Here, the author of Hebrews makes another connection of what faith receives when facing impossible conditions. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, they'd all been promised the same thing and Yet they did not really receive it physically. They never lived, per se, in the promised land. They never were able to be established there in the promised land. And yet, the Bible says they received the promise. How is it that they received the promise but didn't really receive the promise? How is it that they were promised a land but never really lived in the land, but yet they received the land? How is it that we receive the invisible without really seeing it visibly? That's almost a contradiction of terms. How, how, how is that even possible in the Christian life? How, how do we receive the invisible? Well, number one, we receive it when we welcome his word. I want you to notice in verse 12 and 13, as it speaks there, it says, Therefore sprang there even of one, that's Abraham, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which of the sea by, by the, or by the sea shore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I want you to notice, first of all, the way that they welcomed his word was by embracing. That word embrace has the idea of joyfully receiving like with a hug or kiss. In fact, they, they would use that term uh, in the Greek when you, would say, when, when you were saying hi to somebody and, and, and you would want to embrace them. It was really to, to receive them joyfully. So here's the connection. Um, they knew and believed God would do what he said. They counted him faithful. They, they knew that he would come through even if it wasn't in the immediate present. They embraced it joyfully. They said, okay, God, you've promised this and I'm going to believe it and I'm going to act like I already have it, even if I don't have it. I'm going to act like it's mine, even if I can't really feel it right now. Even if I can't touch it, listen, my attitude, my heart, my mind, my focus is going to be as if I already the way of our faith will continue and receive the promise of God without receiving it in the immediate is by embracing or welcoming God's word. Listen, life isn't always full of joy, but we can be joyful throughout all our life. Right? 
Look, it's not fun being persecuted or mistreated or maligned. It's not fun when that's happening to us. Yet we can have joy going through those experiences. If our focus is the word of God, if we can embrace the word and receive the word of God joyfully and know that what God has promised is true, then you can live through those experiences with joy. Even though they're not joyful experiences. You can go through a tragic situation. You can go through a difficult illness. You can face things like cancer and still be joyful because you're welcoming God's word. Because you're receiving the promise of God, I will never leave you nor forsake thee. But where are you? I don't find you. I don't see you. We can get like Job. I, I went forward and I couldn't find him. I looked backward and I couldn't see him. I, I went to the, to the east and he was not there. I, I went to the west and could not find him. And yet God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Receiving the invisible in spite of the visible. It's having faith to say, I'm going to believe that and embrace that. As if I could see him already as if he were standing right next to me and I could see him standing next to me. Is he here? Yeah. But we don't always see him. We find that faith receives the invisible when we embrace his word, when we accept it joyfully. There in Acts chapter 13, we see as the gospel began to spread, it spread into the Gentiles. The Jewish nation had begun to reject Jesus as the Messiah. And so Paul and Barnabas start going to the Gentiles and sharing the message of salvation with the Gentiles. And you'll find by the time you get to the end, verse number 49, the Gentiles are receiving. They're embracing the word of God. They're, they're saying, this is awesome. This is what we needed. Their lives are changed and, and they welcome the word of God into their lives. Let me ask you something. Do you embrace God's word in your life? Is this something that you welcome? Is this something that you believe even if you don't see it? I fear that so many times in our lives, in my own life, I can find myself hearing the word of God but not receiving the word of God. Now it's interesting in the Hebrew, the word for hear and do is the same word. In English, we have two words, do and hear. Not in the Hebrew. God simply, simply allows us to receive what others can't see and what sometimes we ourselves cannot see when we embrace his word when we receive it joyfully. We're not saying, oh, that's, that's, that's the pastor's opinion. Is it? I mean, that's just, that's just what they think. Is it? Or is it what God says? I can tell you there are times when I share my opinion. And usually I try my very best to let you know, this is my opinion. This is what I think. Most of the time, I'm just going to tell you, that's what God's word says. 
That's why I give you the definition of what that word means so we can understand better what God is saying. And sometimes God begins to speak to us directly, not, not me as the pastor, but, but God begins as you're seated there and, and, and listening and receiving and embracing God's word. He begins to convict us about different things. And then you start looking back at your week and going, you know, I didn't, I didn't do that. And I, and he's really, he's right. My faith has been weak in this trial that I'm going through. Can I say at those times, so don't take the word as, oh, that's just the pastor's opinion. No, embrace it and say, that's God speaking to me. And let me tell you something. We ought to love when God speaks to us. It's, it's funny, I, um, when, when I'm at home, uh, th- this will happen sometimes, you know, when, when you have kids and it's, it's kind of loud, you begin to tune out, right, your kids, because just, it's just a, it's just, you parents know what I'm talking about. If you're not a parent, you'll find out. It's just, it's, it's just, they're just loud sometimes, right? And you have to like tune it out if you're going to be watching TV or if you're going to be doing something in the house, you just got to tune it out sometimes. And and this happens to me, you know, every once in a while. I'm not going to say often, but, um, but it does happen to me. And uh, this week it happened to me where Rochelle is talking. And I begin to, to t- treat her voice like if it was Elijah's or Jordan's and they're just, you know, talking out there. And sometimes she'll look at me and go, do you know I'm talking to you? Hello? Oh, I'm so sorry, baby. I, you know, I, it's because... The Lakers were, you know, playing. I was watching the game. And I've noticed that when she's talking to me, she wants me to talk to her. There's something about having a conversation, communicating back and forth. There's something about that, that, hey, I have your attention and and, and I want you to to have my attention. I want to talk to you. You know, when we embrace God's word, it's awesome because when you do, God begins to talk to you. You ought to be really worried and scared when God's voice no longer does anything for you. You ought to be worried when you can hear a message over and over and over and go months to a church and hear the pastor preach and maybe even hear a missionary preach or hear someone else preach, and it never moves you. You ought to be worried about that. Because that means you're not welcoming his word. And you'll never receive the invisible. You'll only hear about the promises of God, but you'll never see them in your life or experience them because you have no faith. A life of faith receives the invisible. Let me give you this last thought. We receive it when we welcome his word or embrace his word, but also when we live as pilgrims and strangers. There in the end of verse 13, says, and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. In verse 14, 15, and 16, explains exactly what that means. Though they didn't receive the earthly promise, they, in their mind, had it as if they had already. In their mind, in verse uh, 15, it makes it, makes it clear, even though they, they did not get established in the, in the new land, they didn't go back to where they came from. Abraham had the opportunity to go back to Ur after five years of never getting to the land of promise. 
but he didn't. Isaac could have gone back, but he didn't. Jacob could have gone back, but he didn't. Because they were mindful. They knew this is the land that God has promised. And listen, it's not ours today, but it will be one day. And so they live their lives as pilgrims and strangers. I love what John Phillips said in his commentary. I want to read it to you really quick. He writes this. He says, the patriarchs were characterized by two objects, a tent and an altar. With the tent, they confessed their attitude toward this world. They would not let its attractions blind them to spiritual realities. With the altar, they confessed their relationship to the world to come. They were believers. Thus, they adopted the attitude as, that as far as this world was concerned, they were strangers, they were away from their home, and pilgrims going home. God had truly weaned their hearts away from the earthly to the heavenly. This, of course, was the very thing the Spirit of God was seeking to accomplish in the lives of the Hebrews to whom the letter was addressed. So the relevancy of this whole passage is evident. Strangers and pilgrims. Pilgrims were going somewhere. Strangers were not from somewhere. Jesus told his disciples this way, you're in the world, but you're not of this world. A faith that receives the invisible is one that remembers where we're going and that this is not all there is in life. That's such a powerful truth that we forget so easily. I feel like I forget it all the time. Sometimes when you remember it, is after a shopping, right, spree. That's when I remember it sometimes, and I go, man, I've been blessed. God has been blessed. Blessed me. To have enough to, to buy this for my kids or to, to do this, but, man, so easily I find myself attracted to the things of this world. We call it materialism. The Bible calls it living for the for the here and now, the temporary, the earthly. The way to receive the invisible in your Christian, in your Christian walk in life is remember that you're a stranger and a pilgrim. There's more to this life than the nicest car or the biggest house. There's more to life than that promotion or being in style with your clothes. There's more to life than the stock market and bonds and retirement. There's something better and bigger to live for. Jesus told the disciples, lay not up treasures for yourselves here on earth, for moth and rust doth corrupt, and for thieves do break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know what you'll notice about Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob? That their eyes were ahead. They said, we're just, we're strangers and pilgrims. You know, Abraham, one of the richest men 
during his lifetime. Never bought a house. Thousands of cattle, goats, material wealth like you wouldn't believe. Never bought a house. Lived in a tent all his life. Isaac, he had pretty, pretty nice inheritance money. Never bought a house. Jacob, 12 kids, a lot of kids. Never bought a house. I'm not telling us this morning we need to go sell our houses. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying there's more to life than our house. Strangers and pilgrims. You want to receive the impossible? You want to see the invisible? Welcome God's word into your life. Embrace it. Receive it joyfully. And then remember that you're just a stranger and a pilgrim here. We're just passing through. That's why I get excited when I see college students that say, you know what, I, I need money for college, but I'm going to give this summer to God. I love that teenagers say, you know, summer is a lot of fun and I can hang out with, with my friends. And you know what, there's probably, I don't know, around 11 weeks I can do that. But one week this summer, I'm going to dedicate it to God and I'm just going to go to camp and ask God to speak to me. There's something different about that. About about parents that say, man, I I really could use this money somewhere else, but you know what? There's greater treasure that I can invest in than just the earthly. But something heavenly. I want my faith to see the invisible and I want it to be strengthened. So I want to challenge us this morning. As, as we think about how is our faith going to continue in the difficult circumstances of life, in the difficult trials, it's going to continue when we receive strength. By considering God faithful, acting upon what he said so that he can act for us and through us by waiting on him. Might be 25 years, wait on him. And then seeing the invisible happen by living as pilgrims and strangers in this world and by welcoming, welcoming his truth. So I hope this week we can do that. I want to challenge you and encourage you. Have, have a faith that's real. Have a faith that continues in the midst of impossibility. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and your truth. and. Thank you for the life of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob that remind us this morning of what really true faith looks like. Father, I pray that as we, as we think about our lives and the faith that we've displayed, I, I pray that we would have a real faith that is being strengthened day by day by waiting on you, by believing and trusting in you by considering you. And then, Father, I, I pray that we would live a life of faith that receives what 
others don't see and sometimes what we ourselves don't see, but know to be true. Help us to live by faith as strangers and pilgrims. Help us to always have a heart to embrace your word, to receive it joyfully and to listen when you speak. Be with us now. Help us to apply these truths into our life this week. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.